0: Galinda? Gal, is that you? Well, I guess she's gone out. I don't see one of her pink Ram Dass post-it notes anywhere with a went-out-for-bath-salts written in her distinctive looping chicken scratch. So, And she no longer carries a phone on account of all the cellular radiation that she says interferes with her liver chi. Sometimes I joke and say, maybe lay off the mezcal if you want better liver chi. But if we're at a group... Meditation after party, she'll laugh, but give me a look that says, Not the time, Dale. Well, I guess I'm all alone here at the apartment, the wind howling outside, my thoughts racing. Probably a good time to reach for the heavy metal handle that leads to the portal that will take me to the deep night. Oh, friends, are you lonely like me? I'm Dale Shiver, and I'm pleased to be your singular host, your solo guide, and your independent guru. Oh, goddess, I can hear the echo of my thoughts in this big empty apartment, even with all the beaded curtains and velvet lumbar support pillows we have. It's a little bouncy in here. I'm like one of your friends who's like a sound engineer on the side, and they walk into an apartment and they immediately clap to check the bounce, like, We're going to be recording in here, and then they talk about acoustics. Nice acoustics in here. Thank you. Sometimes you see one of these fellows on House Hunters, and they're Well, this suburban finished basement would work well for your recording studio, honey. And they still end up with whatever house is closest to his job. So many people prize biking to work above all else. Good for you. I have a weight problem. Oh, my goddess, I'm spiraling already. Well, I'm glad you're here, at least. I imagine you there, also in darkness, surrounded by your secrets, wearing something comfy, because it's night time. Maybe a waffle-weave robe or a pair of yoga trousers. Draw a string undone to let yourself breathe. Night clothes are the best clothes. Night shorts when it's warm, night sweaters when it's cold. It's both of those things here in the deep night, all at once so it's very hard to figure out what to wear. (laughs) Just kidding, it's a turtleneck. It's always turtleneck season in the deep night. And turtlenecks are rapidly becoming the top body covering of choice for those of us in the guru biz. I'm definitely thinking about getting more involved. You're never lonely in a cult. At least that's what the pamphlets that I've been reading say. A nice gal in a long white frock has been handing them out right there by the bench outside of Union Market. I know they're expensive, but I can't help it. I like fancy salts, and I can't get pink Hawaiian rock salt anywhere else. And my salmon is absolutely dreadful without it. I eat a lot of salmon, folks, because that's how I can store their power in my shells and use it to swim against the strong upstream currents of my career. <laughs> Be like the salmon, I sometimes shout in the mirror after a tough day of voiceover auditions. <laughs> the Colt lady hands out the flyers, and has such a gentle way about her. I think she used to work at the specialty dumpling place before, but now I guess she found a better path. One with less soy sauce odor in your jeans. Unless it's a dumpling cult, in which case, great angle. I'm sure they'll do well. She certainly tempted me with uh, many of the -the out-of-the-box dumpling flavors, so now here she's got me thinking about life in a closed community with like-minded thinkers. Now the question I have to ask myself, of course, would I be more of a leader? "'or a follower. Hmm. "'So far I've not been tempted to take on more than one wife at a time, "'but I'm reaching that age where a compound outside the city sounds awfully nice. "'Welcome to another hour of regrets and revelations "'that we bring to you each week from the foul banks of the Gowanus. "'I think a Gowanus cult would do very well.' I'm not totally convinced that the few of us who really are gung-ho about the Gowanus aren't in the cult already. I mean, you have to be a little off to like canal-side moonbathing, collecting glow-in-the-dark pollution clumps, and paddleboarding around a super-fun sluice. (laughs) Certainly our sponsors, the Gowanus Souvenir Shop, are a big part of our cult activities. If you end up buying Gowanus Resort Wear, you're definitely in the cult. Fringe have any of you ever wanted to be in a cult? Did you ever suddenly realize that you were already in one, like you were involved in Amway or Republican? Was the weekly reader group a cult? What about the Burger King Kids Club? The Criterion Collection might be a cult. Shake Shack has to be. Do you ever know someone to disappear for a few months, and did you wonder what happened to them? Like maybe you thought, what happened to Chloe from TV Smallville? The blonde chirpy lady who was not Lois Lane, but fulfilled a Lois Lane-like role in the high school newspaper. She ended up in a cult. The actress who played her, not the character. Although I I didn't watch it that closely, so maybe that happened. It can happen to anyone, real or not. We had a family member who just vanished for a number of years. Then she popped back up and invited everyone over for a backyard taco party. We didn't say anything, but there was a very elaborate chore wheel involved for everyone. And I have to think that that's probably something that you pick up in a communal dining hall, or at law school, but more likely a sex cult. There are a lot of chores in a sex cult. At least that's what I gather. I remember reading about the Source family out in Los Angeles. Now, they started out as a vegetarian restaurant on the Sunset Strip, and then later became a polyamorous sex cult and a moderately successful musical group. What I'm saying is, be careful with all these veggie burgers and band practice. That's most likely a gateway activity to membership in a sex cult. Sex cults kind of have a bad name, though, don't they? I mean, if you're all squirreled away in the Hollywood Hills and you're in a band with good-looking people, I mean, how different is that from being in a sketch comedy group? And everybody has sex with everybody else in a sketch comedy group. It's just the way things go. When you're all charged up from thinking up a hilarious button for a mountain climber sketch, well, boingo, next thing you know, you're curled up in a fetal position asking to be held, or whatever you do after six, on a couch. I tell you, if I get so lonely slash depressed about people always leaving me or this show never being featured in the new uh, iTunes uh, noteworthy section, I might end up joining a cult. I do know one thing, though. I would not want to be the number two guy in the cult. That position is the worst. That person's always jealous, always wanting to assert their power, but they don't really have any. They can sign checks, but only up to $100. They can have a wife, but it's usually the guru's ex, and she's sometimes a little cagey on account of so many natural childbirths and having to always reorganize the shed because the new girlfriend's a mess and doesn't take to outdoor work. Even in the most egalitarian setups, I'm talking everyone has their own tent, we live in a valley in Vermont, we make our own bread every day from grains we mill in a giant stone and put on politically progressive theater productions using enormous papier-mâché puppets that were inspired by street spectacles and protests in post-war Europe. Even in that best-case scenario, the person in the number two slot is miserable. First, first thing they want to do is tweak the bread recipe. Next thing you know, The puppets get smaller. You're trying to make a point about globalism with a hand puppet. I don't think so. And finally, a nasty power struggle breaks out. That person aligns themselves with the dulcimer players and the doulas. The cult leader aligns with the carpenter's monks and the one rich teen who's really funding the whole thing. No one wins. There's constant griping over the greens washing station. Knots are left untied, causing barrels to come loose. Window screens have holes in them, letting in all kinds of summer bugs... "'And poor Alphonse, who owns the van that we all use to get into town, "'well, Al's just torn up about the whole thing, "'and he refuses to drive anyone to the farmer's market "'until this all blows over. "'It's all so sad. "'You have to keep the cult together. "'Ultimately, that's just what gets to me about all these things. "'I don't mind that cults get kooky. "'I don't care that they all sleep with each other. "'Jealous, maybe. "'Their clothes do look comfortable.' But every cult gets brought down by petty human arguments. What do we have out there? Biosphere 1, Biosphere 2, Epcot Center. Every domed utopia succumbs to infighting and nonsense. And that's just depressing. Put on all the robes and eat raw foods and dunk your heads in every muddy river you can find. It all comes down to one jackhole feeling slighted and it topples the whole darn thing. You'd like to think we're better than that but we're not. It's human nature. We're annoying. We need to be around each other, because otherwise we're podcasting. But it happens. We want our work environments to be smooth sailing, but that ain't the case. We all have one person at the office who holds the negative energy. Or at least I always make sure one person is holding all my bad, Juju. At the yoga studio, we have a new hire. Her name is Leanne. She's very loud. She manages to be very loud while also not saying anything about anything. They should have made an X-Man whose powers are stupefying small talk. "Uh Uh-oh, here comes the mutant chitter-chatter. She'd say her uh, famous phrase, Doing anything fun this weekend? And the entire brotherhood of evil mutants would collapse or be consumed by boredom. I always try to give someone the benefit of the doubt. It's how I was raised but then I hear her talking about a chicken salad and my entire skeleton cringes inside my body. If this was year two in a wildlife cult, I would have been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work to get her moved to a tent way on the outskirts of our main activity. See, maybe I shouldn't join a cult on account of my rage issues. Maybe I'd have to be in the way-out tent myself for ornery members. Gosh, I wouldn't want to be the poison in the harmonious Well, Rage is hard to contain, folks, and it affects interactions with people. It affects your body if you hold it in long enough. Now, some of you may have picked up on this, because let's face it, there's a lot of intuitives that listen to this show, and some of you may have intuited a little weakness in my voice over the last few episodes. That's because, and I'm going to be honest with you right here, this is me being honest, even before I was left alone by someone I thought would always be there, I also guess I better work on blowing things out of proportion... (laughs) Out of proportion. Here's the thing I was trying to say. I've been so busy with this show and running the yoga studio and traveling with Galinda on her work trips and cleaning out old jars full of bad chakra energy and researching massage tables you can cook on that I've neglected all of my holistic tendencies and I've let my physical self get a little flabby. Literally flabby. And uh, also my emotional spectrum has become flabby. My energies are off and I love ice cream. The more uncomfortable I become in my body, the more I seek out comfort. And of late, this has been many, many pints of strawberry cheesecake, Ben & Jerry's ice cream. It's got chunks of berries and bits of graham cracker crushed and a wonderful smooth texture. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Who needs a sex coat when we have Ben & Jerry's? But getting bigger and not dealing with my personal issues is one thing. Another thing, possibly related, is that I've been having difficulty breathing. And maybe it's the Rage and Ice Cream. Some of you wrote in and suggested grief. Thank you for that. That's a close listen. But after receiving a few of your concerned letters, I thought, okay, it's probably time to see someone. Also, uh, I had one tiny incident the other night where I woke up around 3 a.m. gasping for air, and I was making the most unpleasant sound, like someone trying to pull a cat inside out. And my wife, Galinda, who thankfully was at home at the time and did not yet have her noise-canceling earplugs in, heard me above the three white noise machines in the hall, and came racing into my sleep chamber, where I was all tangled up in the hammock, grasping at my throat. She quickly spun my hammock around, which dumped me on the floor, and the shock of hitting the floor and the comfort of her large hands that she placed on my back was enough to get me breathing normally again, and it stopped my eyes from bulging. We both had trouble sleeping after that. Galinda, uh, because she made a pot of pine needle tea, and I just couldn't get the thought of being that close to death out of my mind. I don't know exactly how I want to go out, but I do know some of the end-of-life methods that I'd like to avoid. I don't want to be hit by a hybrid car. You never hear them coming. I don't want to be eaten by a monkey wearing human clothing. Here, I've made a list of some of the ways that I don't want to die. I'll share it with you. No one else is around. Let's see here. Insect bite on holiday that makes me patient zero for a mysterious warm-weather disease that makes my hands grow too large to open doors and or cabinets. Jokingly placed inside an enormous plastic bag. Toilet rat. Standing too near archery for toddlers class. Diamond heist gone sideways on account of a faulty walkie-talkie. Daytime raccoon swarm. Baked inside the world's largest bread bowl. Backyard zip line. Poisoned eggs. Sometimes just getting out of bed is an effort. The world is a scary place. And here I was just choking on my own rage. Which is why I thought maybe it's time for acupuncture. And so I was browsing through Instagram. Oh, have you seen this program? It's wonderful. If you don't have it, I don't know. Go to the AT&T store and get it. It's just pictures, so you don't have to deal with imagining the voice of people you went to high school with arguing about gun control. You can just see a nice picture, and that's it, and it goes away. And the way the algorithm works and i don't I don't know all the technical parts of it, but the way that they have it structured, there must be someone in a booth somewhere that gets all the same kinds of photos together in a row, you know sort of clusters them, uh, you think, "Oh, these just came in as they happened, but no, someone's seeing patterns and then they make the most out of it, and that's how you then they give that to you that's how, how it defines how you see the images so uh, this means you'll see a dog eating from a backpack and then another dog with just a silly tongue or something, and then maybe a funny sign that's followed by a dog holding a sign, and then a burlesque girl with her nipples blurred out, and you think, oh, gosh, I hope no one saw that. Why am I following her? All right, she's attractive, and you said hi once. And at first, like, oh, no, uh, gosh, are her nipples okay? And then you remember that Instagram doesn't care for nipples because, heaven forbid, you see a human body anywhere. But you keep scrolling, and then flowers that kind of look like blurred nipples come up, and then, oh, I don't know. A neighbor uh, just went to Japan, apparently. That's nice. <laughs> Another person not leaving me a note. Uh, heart it. it's just magical, and no one argues, no one cares, really. Some people have really nice cameras, though. I stop on those, because the image quality is like 100 times better than your neighbor's picture of a temple. I mean, it's a nice temple, but mm, it's kind of out of focus, and there's a dude in the back using an iPad as a camera to take a similar shot just a few feet away. The posts that look good on there are usually people that are promoting some kind of bohemian boho lifestyle. They have no belongings, just a yummy pair of cashmere slippers and a perfectly asymmetrical cactus. And they apparently live on or very near the beach. Now, I've met people who live on the beach. They don't seem to be posting that much. These folks just enjoying everything. Sometimes they're holding a weird nut water in their hand or caressing a blanket made of llama. And you think, boy, that would be great to just turn it all off and take some pictures in a room that's mostly white. Gosh, they keep their beach clean. I go to the shore, and when I put a blanket or a towel down, that's not a choice. It's a common sense barrier against infection. But to be boho, which I guess translates as drifter in a sun hat... It's just going places and displaying things tastefully. Who doesn't have a white floor these days? It's perfect for not walking on. Anyway, lots of these folks are good-looking gals, and I wish them well. I do wonder who's taking the photos, though. My bet is that it's a dumpy assistant. Someone who has a mortgage and responsibilities like children. Or someone like my neighbor, Greg. Just a pouchy lump who drinks warm Cokes and leaves his broken umbrella collection outside his door and posts things on his Instagram account handle at can you Greg it like a poorly composed picture of the inside of a laundromat with the caption spin city exclamation mark. But seriously, who's taking all the photos of these bohos? It's so many. It's like, is it one day that they do and just knock them all out? How are there this many lifestyle brands? We only have two, maybe three lifestyles. What lifestyle is overthinking succulent photos in clean rooms? That's a disease, not a lifestyle. So, like I said, I'm working on controlling my judgment and my anger flare-ups, and I was having trouble getting a big breath. You know the big breaths that I'm so famous for, the ones that you tune in for. And so I was scrolling through Instagram when I saw my old friend Jamie Stelter. We made fish tacos once. She reports on traffic on NY1, or whatever they call it now. Should be called the default channel, because it's always there when you reboot. Now, I don't want to cause any trouble, but there are some anchors on that uh, station who are clearly just borrowing their suits from some other news station's goodwill pile. Like when you go to the country club for dinner at your grandparents, and a suit was required for entry, and you had to grab one from the community closet... What I'm saying is, there are a lot of olive-colored suits with large shoulder pads, and that's not something that anyone should be buying in 2018, even at Men's Warehouse. Anywho, Jamie was on there, and she was raving about some healing center, that she was walking out or just took a photo of it. And I thought, well, that's good enough for a big star like Jamie. It's got to be good enough for me. So I booked an appointment right away. I don't like male doctors. Ever since I went to see my doctor as a kid, we had three of them in the pediatric practice. Dr. Kahn, Dr. Rissmiller, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the third one, but I'm sure he was lovely. Dr. Rissmiller looked like Jerry Lewis as the nutty professor and would say things like this. Okay, Jill, let's pop up on the table and see what's happening. Kind of a Casey Kasem, uh, uh quality to his voice. Let's pop up on the table and see what's happening. Moving up into the number one position. Anyhow, uh, uh, Dr. Khan, oh, he he was a cool customer. I once saw him for poison ivy that I had all over my hands, a terrible case of it. He took my hand in his and popped every single enormous poison ivy blister and then said, Okay, you'll want to put some lotion on those. Good luck. And how about booster shots? Why did those hurt so much? No thank you, childhood nightmares. So ever since then... I've tried to stick to lady doctors. Nice lady doctors. I don't know if you call an acupuncturist a doctor or not, but I knew I didn't want some fella slamming needles in my thighs. So I picked out a nice friendly person who, after years of online dating, I could tell had kind eyes and a keen sense of humor. And I was right. Now, I don't care for needles. I passed out at a regular doctor's meeting not long ago. Uh, That was because I hadn't eaten and... So I was slipping to the floor when a nurse rushed in and propped me up and gave me a sugar tablet. I was covered in sweat and couldn't see anything, just from having a blood test and not eating for ten hours. The body is a wonderland. But on this day in this-is she a doctor? Anyhow, in her capable hands, I was ready for the healing process to begin and for my magnetic energies to align. Well, I won't go through the whole thing, but we talked about my feelings. Why is Galinda always going places, not telling me. I have trust issues. I miss everyone who's ever died, that kind of thing. And then she said, okay, I think you have low lung chi. That's a mouthful. And she got me on the table there and stuck me with, I don't know, a 100 or so needles. My body felt electric. Sometimes she'd get a nerve or something, and I was like, oh, that was a mistake. But then it would calm down. She said, that's normal. "'She asked me if I wanted to go to sleep, and I said, "'No, thank you.' "'She turned down the lights, cranked up the meditative harp playing by the side of a lake "'with a person groaning in the distance music, and told me she'd be back in thirty minutes. "'I did think about sleeping, but then I remembered that I was full of needles. "'What if I rolled over? I got a scratch, and I thought, "'Oh, Dale, you can't scratch.' So I was just lying there, itchy and twitchy and damp on account of it being warm in there, and I get sweaty when I'm nervous on a bed with paper sheets. Anyway, I felt my chia lining, and I saw all sorts of colors whenever I closed my eyes. Bright purples, greens, all my energy zones popping in and popping out. Thirty minutes felt like thirty minutes. But then she plucked them all out and did a closing-of-the-holes ceremony, and she recommended a second visit and loaded me up with some specialized Chinese herbs. I love herbs, even at $300 a bottle. It's worth it. The other day I went for my second appointment, and this time there was cupping. Do you know what that is? Maybe you saw Gwyneth Paltrow doing it. Once again, she and I have a lot in common. If I ever see her at a party, I'll be sure to wear a tank top and say, Ha, ha, I did it too, the cupping. Cupping is like when you were a kid and you thought, what's a hickey? And someone tells you it's when someone sucks on your neck and you're like, yuck. But then also you have vacuuming on your list of chores and so you put the vacuum nozzle up to your arm and you don't realize just how strong a vacuum cleaner is. And then you have to explain to your mother what that giant round thing is on your forearm. Anyway, the upshot of all this is that I can breathe again and I'm feeling more powerful than ever. "'I sat there with those hot little glasses on my back, "'and I felt tremendous comfort. "'I mean, it was like an octopus giving me a backslap, "'but a kind of relaxing one. "'And now, oh, now, I have the wind of the mountains in me, "'and I can get all the way up the subway stairs "'at Broadway Lafayette without having to rest at the top. "'Have you ever just been alone for like a week or so? "'What kind of trouble do you get into? (laughs) "'I'm eating a lot of Easter candy.' celebrating the resurrection by stuffing handfuls of sugary blobs and misshapen chicken babies made of mallow fluff into my mouth. Do you think there was ever anyone who went through a resurrection and then just tried to keep it on the down low, like just moved a rock and went about their business like nothing happened? Just Jesus walking down the street, hastily putting on a tattered robe he found behind the robe cart. Hey, Jesus, is that... It is. How are you, man? Wait, I thought you were... Didn't we all just... Hey, Terry, be cool, man. Everything's fine. But drop it, Terry. Okay? Drop it. Lots of meddling Terrys in the Bible. Probably some people who do get resurrected try to make a break with the past, shave their beard, open up a pokeball shop like they'd always dreamed of doing. Yeah, uh, give me a ponzu over white tuna with seaweed. Whoa. <laughs> this is so weird. You look just like... Can I get a name for that order? Sure, it's uh, Terry with a Y. It's just, I'm sorry, I'm standing here thinking that without a beard, you look just like a friend of mine who uh, died. Most Pokeball places are run by, or at least managed by, the undead. That's why it's so cheap to eat there. And TD Bank, they run those too, which is why it's so cheap to eat there as well. Speaking of resurrections, I get into all sorts of stuff when I'm home alone. I have a tendency to kind of revert back to what I was like when I was a teenager. Do you do that? order a lot of Domino's pizza, and play really involved video games. I've been playing a lot of this one called Zelda Breath of the Wild. I bought it because I was having trouble with my own wild breath, and I thought it would be fun. It's not. It's just running. It's a small man who apparently has been in a coma, and I guess maybe resurrected himself? Or I don't know. Someone put him there? I don't know. He slept for a hundred years, or he was dead, or... It doesn't matter. The point is... I have to run all around, and sometimes I lift up rocks, and I find lizards. And just yesterday, I finally made it through a sandstorm to a village where I had to cross-dress to make my way into a jewelry store so I could swim faster. Is this fun for anyone? I feel like I'm explaining my dream to you. And I've been playing it for six weeks. My favorite part is that I can cut the grass with my sword. Some days I just cut and cut and cut that pretend grass looking for crickets and rice. It's no Pac-Man, that's for sure. But it's also not Dragon Slayer. That game was impossible. Do you remember that? That was designed by horrible people who delighted in failure. Only the nerdiest of arcade lifers could get through that game, like someone with a quarter machine on their belt. It was actively unfun. It looked great, but it was like an arrow to the head. The princess, though, was very attractive and had a very animated Barbara Eden quality that I still appreciate. I think there's a princess in Zelda, but who knows? So far, I just get excited whenever I find a beetle on a tree, or I don't get zapped by a lightning bolt in a rainstorm. A digital rainstorm. Put this elf back to sleep for a hundred years so I can rest. (laughs) If you could be any video game character, who would you be? For me, it's a tie between the main fella in Dig Dug and the wizard from Gauntlet. I know that the elf or the warrior was more helpful, but God has helped me I love magic. So I was always wizard. Gauntlet was a hard game for an only child. You really need three other friends. And let's just say, siblings or not, that was tough to come by. To this day, I'd still have trouble playing Gauntlet. Three friends? Where are they? <laughs> what do you mean you can't get a sitter? I'm stuck here trying to break down a wall with a potion. While also randomly shouting, Warrior needs food. Badly. Dig Dug, I'm not clear on what he did does. I guess dig and inflate stuff? Is that a mining technique? Did he work for a fracking company? Was he the OG fracker? Who knows what kind of environmental damage that little fella has wrought over the years pumping the ground full of God knows what. But let's focus on the digging, which I dug. Because I love crystals and I love digging for them, or if the ground is damp enough, just plunging my hand in there and pulling up a handful. Sometimes, if I'm alone, oh, like now. A fun activity is to open my big book of crystals up and learn more about them. Maybe one of them can cure unyielding emptiness and feelings of abandonment. All right, let's see. Here's one about a rock that I picked up at a flea market in Ohio. Let's learn more about pyrite by reading a chapter in this old dusty book I found. It's called Dirt Spirits and Where to Hide Them. Here we go. All right, pyrite. Yep, right after pelican stone and purple myrtle. Pyrite commonly known as Golden Pranky, Hobo Duel, or Foolish Fiddle. This remarkable stone has only been around for the past hundred years or so. As any avid reader of geologic nonfiction will inform you, or if you traveled back in time through guided meditation and met an astral version of one of the original 49ers out panning for gold in the dense scrub brush outside of Sacramento, they would also tell you the same thing. Pyrite was first introduced to the American West in 1849. A studious, outgoing, but unsuccessful jeweler from Pensacola named Lewis Efferworth was getting nowhere with a specialty necklace he fashioned from lumpy metallic rocks he called swamp nuggets that he found behind one of Florida's earliest retirement communities. He had had more success when he painted the rocks in various colors and tied them to strings made from dried possum innards. While he did manage a few sales to his friends at the market who ran an early body-piercing facility with a Japanese pagoda motif that was popular with teens and middle-aged men with ponytails, Lewis found that the market for handmade goods fashioned from nocturnal, a- nocturnal animal products and hand-painted stones was still at least a century off. If only he had been born 70 years later and been introduced to a young Wendy Etzman Etsy, who of course would later found the internet marketplace eBay. Lewis knew two things about himself. He hated mosquitoes, and he was lonely. Ah, that sounds familiar. (laughs) I like this guy. But he knew where there were a lot of single men looking for shiny objects, and so he set a course for San Francisco. He loaded up a wagon with his painted rocks and headed out for a better life. Everyone in Florida wished they were someplace else, which is how it earned the nickname, Sorry About All This. Once Lewis arrived at the famed bright orange gates of the Barbary Coast, Actually, he came over the mountain, so he was just east of the city in the gay mecca of Walnut Creek. That bustling little hamlet was well known for its all-night parties, miners in short denim, and lots of hearty stews. It was around an open-air stew pot that Lewis made eyes with and then sold those eyes to a local blacksmith named Darren. Their romance was sudden and complete, but even with the addition of heavy forged chains, Lewis was unable to move much of his product. At a loss for what to do next, but needing to shake things up, he traded his beloved 1838 all-oak wagon for a steak dinner and two tickets to see a couple of western hobos rattle in the mud. The crate full of swamp nuggets was tossed from the wagon by its new owner, someone who was not interested in crates or the contents therein. The crate tumbled down a steep ravine and came to rest on a rocky hillside near Deerspine Creek, where it was soon worn down by the moderate climate and broken into by varmints in search of food. Hundreds of painted rocks were washed clean in the high mountain creek and the golden stones were carried downstream where they lay for months before anyone ever saw them. A Native American member of the Ohlone tribe found the gold clusters but walked on, knowing that it was worthless. A young miner named Franklin Fell McGough thought it was actual gold and made quite a scene of himself when he tried to cash in at the local Wells Fargo branch. From then on, pyrite has been the source of a lot of laughter and good feelings especially at banks, often at the expense of others. A sizable chunk of rock like this, with its impressive if complicated formations, does contain many benefits for the owner, especially if fashioned into chainmail or worn under the clothes. Boiling pyrite and inhaling the fumes will lead to concerned calls from your neighbors and will alight your belly chakra. Don't be surprised if you find yourself laughing, especially if someone is hurt or injured. You can't help it. Huh. Well, here I thought it was good for healing. Well, I guess maybe laugh. Laughter is kind of like healing, is what they say, don't they? I'd like to laugh more. Maybe if I could find a good podcast to listen to, or a good Ziggy cartoon, that always cheers me up. Huh, it's getting so late. I hope Galinda is safe and that she comes back soon. Till then, I'll just sit here twirling a prayer flag, thinking about all life in olden times, trying to resist joining a cult and... Getting frustrated with virtual weather patterns as my elf wears down his weapons by cutting the grass. Maybe I'll make a trout. Cooking fish is a treat for the entire building. Or maybe I'll just chop box whatever is left in the fridge. Let's see if I can melt down white jelly beans to make a medicinal glaze for an old chicken wing. Is that what mole is? Should I try smoking some raisins over a match to add a little Mediterranean flavor to the half-and-half I need to use up? Can I press enough pieces of spinach together into the shape of ham to fool myself into thinking I like ham? Anyway, it looks like a busy night ahead for this fella. Lucky numbers this week are 17, 54, and 12, all numbers that are divisible by one, which is how many of me there are, and it's pretty sad here. Just me turning on and off the salt lamps till my wife comes home. If she comes home personalized reading this week goes out to Jandy Rawlings in East Ipawich, Connecticut. Jandy? Wizard, all your powers will be lost. And that'll do for me. Thanks for listening. And remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is brought to you by the Gowana Souvenir Shop in Brooklyn and McGinty Salt Lamp Emporium and Discount Flooring in Bay Ridge. Simply the best for a good night's rest. Two things a body needs, a floor and some salt. McGinty's. Deep Night Season 10 podcast icon by Kelsey Roten. Season 10 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. And a few weird things at the top of the show that I just download for cash from the internet. Venue support provided by the Slipper Room in New York City. And recording studio services provided by Harvestworks in Soho. Thanks to all of my guests. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Thank you for listening and please consider rating and reviewing the show on whatever podcasting forum you're participating in but especially on Apple Podcasts, which does a great deal toward making Dale feel great, that's me, when he gets up, or is it, when he gets up in the morning for his son's salutations. Are you the best? You are. Close the portal.